scriptures I want to look at today through different three different texts. I'd like to take us to. I believe I got three different ones. We'll see. And uh, but we want to begin here in Luke chapter 17 this morning. If you find your place there, if you're there, would you say Amen? Amen. All right, excellent. Good to see Audra back among the living. Been praying for you. Amen. I bet. And uh, her uh, her little cubby back there has been empty. I mean, she's got the window to the left, her table to the right. I mean, it's a nice setup back there. I tell you what. And uh, I thought, well, somebody, that's pretty good. I like that. So, uh, We've been going through a series here uh, starting the, around the first of the year uh, for our theme, our, theory, our series this for the theme for the year of more, more in 24. And we've been looking at the subject of more, of how God wants more. I mean, a God created a, a world that bears fruit and that grows and a, a, a world of life. And unfortunately, man brought in death, but God uh, likes more. We looked at more love. We've looked at more assembling. We've looked at more Bible. Last week, we looked at more soul winning. And today, I want to look at the subject, and it's a tough one, but I want to look up the subject today of more servanthood. We need more servants. We need uh, children of God. We need, to be, we need to be more servants than what our society lately is telling us that we ought to be and what we deserve. This thing was floating around uh, online on Facebook, and I told my wife, asked her to uh, uh, send it to me, and she did. And somebody posted this. Uh, with, uh, you know, the, the, it was, I, what do they call it, a meme or something like that? I think it's called a meme. And they liked the meme and they, they were like, yeah, this, this is what, how, essentially how I'm going to live my life. And it was a warning to all of the people that knew these people, right? This was their warning. And they said, it says this, things I'm no, lo- I'm no longer apologizing for. Things, here's, the, here, here's, here, here's what they, they said, here it is. Things I'm no longer apologizing for. Listen to some of these. My feelings. (laughs) Having firm boundaries. Okay. Saying no to something I'm not interested in doing. Mm, All right. Being emotional or crying. Not answering the phone when I can't or don't feel like it. Needing to take a break. Asking for clarity when I don't understand. Well, that's logical. Okay. How others people behave. I'm not going to apologize for that anymore. Okay, that's fine. Changing and becoming better. Okay, no problem. Not agreeing with somebody. Listen to these, it gets better. Putting myself first. I'm not apologizing, this individual says. I'm not apologizing for putting myself first. Listen to what this is followed by is this. They said this, this person who ever wrote this. I can't be anything to anyone if I'm nothing to myself. What psychobabble is that? Anyway, I don't have time to go into this. Not settling for less than I deserve. I'm not apologizing for this, right? That's what they're saying. Letting go when I need to and healing at my own pace. Wow. You know, there are words for people that believe a lot of this right here. It's called selfish. It's called self-absorbed. It's called self-centered. It's called they probably wouldn't make the best friend you could have. Yeah. And, 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 and And absolutely, I mean, a lot of it when you... When you sit and ponder it for a little while, it just really reeks of arrogance. 
I mean, just a total lack of humility. And now don't be fooled by a few of those resolutions in there that, uh, that are appropriate in a healthy life. Don't get me wrong. There are some things in there. I mean, we have to have healthy boundaries here and there. There's nothing wrong with that. But the overall spirit of the list is completely contrary to the life and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Right? People say, well, I'm not, I wasn't meant to be a doormat. Have you ever looked at Calvary? If you want to see a doormat... That was, that was a doormat right there. Amen? And so our na- as our nation walks farther and farther away from the Word of God, these sentiments are going to become more and more popular in people's lives. You're going to see them how they drive and how they uh, shop around you and how they you know, figure out who needs to be first. I mean, have you ever, I mean, just the constant battle between everybody wanting to be first and getting what do is due them and getting what they deserve and what they've worked hard for, as the commercials say, right? I get so tired of that too. But you know what? Here's what we want to know this morning. What we need to see and what we need to be grounded in again and what we need to make sure that we don't veer from this morning as a child of God is I want to know what God has to say about this. What does God have to say about our position in life, our rights that we supposedly have, what we're supposed to, where we're supposed to put ourselves in, in relation to other people around us, what is, as a child of God, what is our life supposed to look like? And I believe it's illustrated very, very plainly in three areas in the Word of God that we're going to look at this morning. And the first one we're going to look at here is in Luke chapter 17. And Brother Jim read this text, and it starts out in verse 7. Jesus says this, But which of you, having his servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet, right? Now, now imagine this, okay? Brother Jack is my servant. I like this. I'm really liking this. Brother Jack, he's coming in. Come on. You're coming in from the field. Come on. Come on. From the, it's, it's only broadcast around the world, right? Can you, you, wanna, can you come up? Yeah, come on up. I mean, four people are watching this. I hope you're okay. okay. All right. So Brother Jack, he is, he is, oh, this is awesome. He is my servant. I like this. And he has come in from the field. Jack is a, Jack's a hard worker. And he is. He is a hard worker. I'm not making that up. He's a hard worker. So he comes in from the field and he's been plowing. You've ever plowed? You've plowed a field, right? I know he mows a, mows a field. And he's plowed a field and he's been out there working hard, right? And he comes in and he's exhausted. Act exhausted, Jack. He's so much a hard worker, he can never act tired, right? And I say, oh, thank you. Go get you something to eat, and I'll get my own food. I'll just take care of myself tonight. Since you're my servant, I will take care of myself. Well, Jesus said, who does that? Listen to verse 8. And will not rather say unto him, go make ready where I may sup. Go get me my supper, right? He didn't say, thank you, Jack, right? Now, we've we got to make this Jewish as well, so there's no J, so it'd be Y. Yak. Yeah. That works. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, okay, so Yak, you finished up in the field. You've done a lot of work. I'm proud of you. Now go get my supper, and when you're done, you can go get you something to eat. So carry on. Go get my supper. Thank you. That's what he says in verse 8. Jesus, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, when the guy comes from the field, he's worked all day, he's plowed, right? And he comes in and he doesn't, the, the, the master, right, doesn't say, oh, good job, thank you, go get something to eat. No, he says, oh, okay, 
um, go ahead and get me my food, and then you go take care of yourself. Seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? No thank you? No attaboy? Good job, Yak. You did great today, right? Look what he says in verse 9. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. She said, I don't think so. <laughs> Why? Because this, this is what it is to be a servant. Now, we don't understand servanthood in our culture. We don't understand what it is to be in servitude to somebody else. The, the, uh, uh, the closest thing we could ever get to in our, in our culture is the, is, is the relationship between an employer and an employee. And that's not even accurate. Because the employer, right, or the employee, yeah, the employee still has the negotiating power. I mean, in certain, uh, if, if, it's a, if, if, if the workforce is low on workers, man, they got a lot of power. They say, oh, I ain't coming in, right? I'll come in for this much, but I'm not rolling out of bed for that much, that's for sure. And so we don't really fully understand, especially today. I mean, it's so foreign. Maybe 50 years ago is a little closer. And I mean, you had a, there was a totally different mindset uh, of the employer-employee relationship than it is today. But we don't quite understand it. So in, in Jesus' day, and in still in many parts of the world today, in our day, uh, the servants don't negotiate much of anything, Right? And for some reason, they're there for certain reasons. In the, in the Bible days, they may have been there because of debt. They may have been there because they, they lost the family farm, right? They may have been there because they're in debtor's prison. And, uh, or, and they, they've gone into debt and they've got to figure out a way to work it off. And they go into servitude. In our country, uh, we had the indentured servants that came over from places like Ireland and such. And they, they would come over and they'd work their debt off for being over there. They would be, they would be servants, right? And... Uh, in, in a good setting, in a good home, servants could be almost like family. Remember Abraham and Eleazar. Abraham, at one point when they hadn't had the promised son yet, and, and Abraham went to God and said, is, uh, I mean, is it going to be Eleazar? Is he going to be? I mean, Abraham had envisioned leaving everything, obviously, to Eleazar. Boy, that's a pretty good setting to be a servant, right? And that happens, but in a bad setting, I mean, slaves, these slaves were nothing but, but, uh, but, but uh, chattel or anything like that. I mean, they were nothing. They had no rights. They had no say in anything. They just said, yes, sir, and they ran and they did what they were told to do, right? And so here we have in Luke 17, Jesus is giving his disciples a parable about servants. And he says, who, was gonna, who would let their servant get his food before himself. What master would do that? But he would say, rather, you go get my food. I know you've worked all day, but that's what you're supposed to do. You go get my food, and then you can go get your food. Right? He says, is he going to thank him? No, he's not going to thank him. Because he's doing what he's supposed to do. Right? I mean, listen, this was definitely not the day in Jesus' day. It was definitely not the day of kindergarten graduations and participation trophies, and bonus cash for showing up to work. I mean, that one boggles my mind. If you show up every day, we'll give you 20 bucks a day, right? I'm like, what on earth? No, this is not the day they were living in uh, then. What, 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 what was Jesus reiterating to the disciples that they knew, they knew that servants serve. They were at the disposal of their master, 
Their existence was about pleasing their master. There was nothing about the retirement plan. There is nothing about their future home ownership. There is nothing about working up the corporate ladder to become a boss one day. They had one job. Right? That's what my brother would say to me when he helped me one time. I had one job and I messed it up. Right? You know, they had one job. Obey their master. This is what Jesus is talking about. Not only did Jesus illustrate servanthood in a parable, but Jesus illustrated servanthood, watch, by modeling it himself. We see this in his testimony. Hebrews 10, 9, Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. In John 4, 34, I wrote some verses down here. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. His work. John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Over in John 5 and verse 30, Jesus says, I can of my own self do nothing. Think about that. The second person of the Godhead says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but I seek the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 7, 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Jesus is saying here by his own testimony, My words are not mine. My mission is not mine. My judgment is not mine. My doctrine is not mine. What is he? He's saying, I am a servant of my Father in heaven. Wow. He modeled it in his testimony. But we see it in his life also. Would you turn over to John 13? Very familiar passage. John chapter 13. They had just finished the Passover meal. And as they are lounging and around there in the room after the meal, Jesus gets up. Unannounced, he just gets up like... He does, and he grabbed a towel, and he tucked that towel into, the, into the, the belt of his robe, and he got a wash pot of water. And the Bible says here that he began to wash the disciples' feet. Look at verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 4. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then came he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, Thou hast no part with me. And Jesus, and Peter, Simon Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head, right? He just washed everything. And uh, Simon Peter said, uh, Jesus said unto verse 10, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but he is clean every whit. And ye are clean, right? He said, Peter, I'm not talking about salvation here, right? Uh, You're clean. I'm just talking about washing your feet, right? I'm not talking about washing your life. You've already been clean, but not all of you, right? Judas was here. Not all of you are clean. Judas was unsaved. 
Verse 11, For he knew who should betray him, therefore he saith, Not all are ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment was set down, again he saith unto him, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. Jesus said, listen, I am your Master. I am your Lord. Hey, He is your master today. Amen? Amen. He is your Lord today. I hope He is. If He's not, He can be today. But he's, Jesus says, You call me Master and Lord, and I am. You are correct in saying that. Now, hold on a minute. If your Master and Lord is washing your feet, watch, like you should be really washing mine, because you're the servant, I'm the Master. If the Master is washing your feet, how much more should the servants be washing each other's feet? He said, I gave an example. I, ex I gave an example. Do what I did. What was Jesus doing here? Well, he was serving. He was serving. Not only did Jesus reverse the order of master and slave, Jesus chose, I'm telling you, it had to be one of the lowest jobs a servant could be called to do. I don't know about you, but feet aren't real exciting. <laughs> feet are kind of nasty. And then, and then, wait, no, these are the feet that have been in these leather sandals with dirt and grime. Open in that desert climate. With the sand and the sweat and the, ugh. <laughs> now this was a good job for a slave to do. But not for God. But Jesus said, no, I'd, I'm showing you something here. What I'm doing is, a, is an act of a servant. Verse 16, for I've given you an example, he says, that ye should do as I have done unto you. Hey, Jesus, I'm not greater than my Father. I mean, we know what He's saying, right? He's God. But in the chain of command, in the, in, in, within the Godhead, Jesus has chosen to be a servant to His Father. Yeah. I know what some people think. Some people think, well, Jesus only did this just to illustrate the command he was given his disciples to be a servant. So it doesn't really mean as much because, I mean, come on. I mean, it's just a picture. It's just a picture, right? One problem with that. Not only does Jesus illustrate this by, by the parable that he gives, not only does he illustrate it with his own testimony, but Jesus is going to illustrate his very own servant heart that he has, not only in the way that he lived, but also in the way that he died. We see in his death, Jesus said, I came to do thy will, O God. I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm saying what my father has told me to say. He said, I, I, I only speak what I hear my father saying. My father is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he, he came to do the will of the father. And one of the 
aspects of the will of the Father was that He came to die. John 12, 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We know what that term lifted up means. It was in reference to the Roman crucifixion. Jesus came to die. He said over and over to the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, 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 killed by the hands of, of, of the religious people. And, uh, but I'll rise again the third day. And he told them several times. Finally, Peter says, oh, no, you're not. I'm not going to let that happen, right? And, um, well, yeah, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, right? No, Jesus came to die, right? He came to die. If you want to see a servant, look at the life of Jesus Christ. A, he was a servant in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed, the Bible says, as he was praying, he said, it says he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. I know what scientists say about the capillaries breaking and all that thing. My, my, my issue with that is, okay, that's, it could be. I'm not opposed to that, but I just know that the text says, as it were. It is a simile, right? He was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Maybe he was bleeding, maybe he was not. All we know is this, he was under great distress. He was under great pressure. He was under a great uh, a weight that was on him. He agonized over the Father's will there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked, as we have recorded here uh, two times, recorded, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he got up and he prayed again. And he says it again, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, hope oh, here it is, not my will, but thine be done. Hey, all over and over and over again in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus showed his life, a life of a servant, a life uh, 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 under the, the will of the Father, doing whatever the Father wants, whatever the Father wills, whatever the Father wants him to say, wherever the Father wants him to go, whoever the Father wants him to get, wherever it leads, all the way to Calvary at Gethsemane, even as I believe Satan tempted him there yet again not to go. He said, no, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We see a servant in Gethsemane. And we, hey, listen, we see a servant as, Jesus, as Judas gave him up. <coughs> Judas said, the one whom I kiss, that's the one. He kissed the very face of God in betrayal. You know what Jesus called Judas that night? Friend, why have you come like this? He was a servant as Judas gave him up. Oh no, he, he, could have, he could have done a lot of real miraculous things beyond what they already missed. <laughs> right? Art, th art thou Jesus of Nazareth? I am. They all fall backwards. Right? How'd they miss that, right? No, he was a servant. Why? He had a will of his father. He had already decided. He already made it known in the garden. He already let us know. The Holy Spirit of God let us know by recording it that it was determined, always determined in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant that he was going to Calvary. And Gethsemane couldn't stop him. A Judas couldn't stop him. Oh, listen, he was a servant in both of those places, but he was also a servant at his trial. The mocking with the crown of thorns. The mocking with the purple robe. You're a king. Here he is, the king of the Jews, right? Be, be a king. Put a, put a crown on him. Put a robe on him. Hey, uh, take his beard off. Who is it? Punch him. Let us know who, who, who just punched you in the face. I mean, the mocking that went on. 
the cat of nine tails. When Pilate decided, tell you what, we'll, we'll try him by scourging, then we'll let him go. We'll see if he yelps and give it up. We'll see if he, we'll see if he confesses anything by a scourging. And the Bible says as a lamb to the slaughter, he opened out his mouth. He went to the cat of nine tails. He went to the beating and opened out his mouth. Well, he had nothing to confess. He was just there doing the will of his father. He was just there doing the will of his father. The beating? As the blows came down and tore the chunks of flesh out of his body, the words in the Garden of Gethsemane are resonating through eternity. Not my will, but thine be done. I'd call that a servant. Huh. All the way up Calvary. All the way up Calvary. But Jesus, on the way to Calvary, what did he say? He said to him, he turned to him and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Wow. He was a servant. He was a servant in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was a servant when Judah showed up. He was a servant during his trial. He was a servant while his death was imminent. I don't know what his mind was going through while his body was dying. But I wonder, I wonder if the three and a half years of ministry maybe went through his mind. I don't know. Maybe, maybe while he hung there, maybe he thought of all of the feeding, all of the hungry people that got a free meal. Maybe he thought about all of the healing and all of the teaching and all of the travel and all of the exhaustion and all of the hunger and all of the rejection and all of the heartache as the people said no and walked away, and the scattering of his disciples, and the betraying of Judas. And then as his organs are shed, shutting down, as every breath is harder to take, one of the last things he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. See, Jesus illustrated what a servant life looks like. And not only did he show it in a parable, but he showed it in his own life. He showed it in his life. He showed it in his testimony of what he told others. He could have elevated himself to a different place than what was, what was, uh, what was supposed to be. But no, he directed everybody to the Father. And then in his death, he showed us what a life of a servant looks like. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Powerful scene, it really is. It's been written about so often. One song that comes to my mind to him, one of the verses says, As at the cross I humbly bow and gaze upon thy thorn-crowned brow and view the precious bleeding form by cruel nails so bruised and torn, knowing thy suffering was for me in grief, I cry, how can it be? How can it be that God would love a soul like me? Oh, how 
can it be? Can I tell you this morning, you cannot spend any time at Calvary and not be convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself to the will of the Father as a selfless servant all the way to Calvary. And do you know what you won't hear coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not apologizing for having firm boundaries. I'm not apologizing for not answering when you call me. Boy, aren't we glad he doesn't do that? I'm not, hey, I'm not apologizing for putting myself first, which he never did. I'm not apologizing for letting go when I need to. I just, oh, I just got to let go. I'm not apologizing for settling for less than I deserve. I'm not apologizing for healing at my own pace. No, Jesus illustrated servanthood in a parable. He modeled servanthood in his own life. But lastly here, he expected it of his disciples. Luke 17, would you turn back there again? See where this ends up. Luke chapter 17. I'd like to tell you first first off, the disciples were not an elite class of believers. All born-again children of God are disciples of Jesus Christ. You are a disciple. This applies to you. And Jesus told His first disciples in in chapter 17 of Luke, in verse 7 through 10, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup? And gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded of him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things that are commanded unto you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which is our duty to do. Wow. No, that doesn't float well in modern Christianity, does it? But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Can I tell you, this is, a, this is an attitude of the heart. This is a choice of the heart. It absolutely is. And uh, he tells his disciples, so likewise ye. Yeah. When, when you're commanded to do something... Jesus is saying, just, just have this on your heart and mouth, on your heart and mind. It's just our duty to do it. It's just our duty. He expected it of his disciples to have the life of a servant, to live the life molded and modeled like the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant. Over back in John chapter 13. I know you're getting exercised. John 13. Look again and look at verses 15 and 17. Jesus has just washed their feet. And you go down here in verse 15 and he says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Jesus says, Do as I have done. The servant's not greater than his Lord. If I have washed your feet, if I have lived a servant, and what they we're going to see here in a short time after this event right here, all the way to Calvary, if I have served all the way to Calvary, you serve as well if you're going to be my disciple. 
Notice what he says. I love how he ends this. Let's look at this promise. Verse 17. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. See, this is what the world doesn't understand. This is what carnal Christians haven't understand. The actual joy and the contentment and the happiness that you're looking for in life isn't found in the list that was posted online. It is found in living a life as a servant of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is the miracle of it all, that we could spend our life on somebody else, that we could spend our life as a doormat and get up and be happy in Jesus about it. Amen, it's right. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things we do. It goes against our sin nature because we want to be elevated. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that the people that live by that list I, I mentioned, you know them, and they're some of the most miserable people, miserable people you know? Oh, they're free. Free to be miserable. Yeah. The true joy and happiness comes when we order our life as a servant like Jesus did. With the, watch, with the, with, the, with the attitude and the heart and the mentality that when we serve Jesus, that we say, it's just our duty. Right? I don't need accolades. No, no, we, we love those, don't we? Don't get me wrong, we do. We crave that at times. And God has to bring us back and ground us and say, I, I don't need accolades doing what I'm supposed to do. Right? It's just my duty. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Yeah. Paul and Peter both presented themselves in the Bible, oftentimes through their letters, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ. You know what that word servant means? Yeah. It is talking about a slave. That word doulos, slave. Yeah. I had a professor years ago, went beyond that. He said it, it, it a lot of times, I don't know, I have to look that up, but I remember him saying, oftentimes saying, it is, it is significant of that third level galley slave, those rowers in the bottom of the ship, just the low of the low of the low. Paul says, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. I know it's hard to believe that that's where joy can be, but it is. It really is. And see, as we live our lives as servants of Jesus, if you're going to choose to live your life as a servant of Jesus Christ, I wonder, should a servant decide when he or she obeys? Should a servant decide what church they'll attend? and when they'll attend, and how they will attend. When God has made it plain that we're supposed to be a member of a body and a symbol faithfully. Will a servant decide how much they give? Will a servant decide how much they serve? Does the servant decide where they will serve? You know the struggle I'm finding lately? And I, 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 I hear it from other pastors all over. Young people getting out of college, deciding where they're going to go serve. And a lot of times it's based on salary, not on ministry or where God wants them as a servant of God. Not all of them, but boy, 
it sure is getting normal to hear that. It doesn't sound like a servant to me. Listen, we can make a long list of things today. A long list of just little things we could check off that God wants us. But I think more, encompass, more encompassing is where it begins in the heart. Now, do I have a servant's heart? Yeah. Hey, listen, the more you get immersed in this world, in the carnality of this world, it's going to be... I'll tell you, it's going to be a battle. Because, listen, all of the forces against you are saying, no, it's all about you. It's all about what you deserve. It's all about your happiness. It's all about, you know, you being treated right, and you don't let, nobody walks over me. Nobody walks over me. Wow. They walked right over Jesus Christ. No, there's sometimes you say things, but you know what? It's an attitude of a servant that we're looking at. Sometimes God says, no, they, I, I want them to walk over you. Just let it alone. I'm doing something here. Just leave it be. You don't have to always justify yourself or stick up for yourself. Oh, but I want to. I know. See, being a servant's a choice, isn't it? Every day it's a choice whether we are going to choose to take up the role as a servant of God. He'll never make you to be a servant. He won't do that. But you won't know true joy and peace until, until you surrender to that and yield to that. You won't know the joy that is really available to you until you learn to come out of situations and just go... Oh, well, I'm a servant. Not my will, but thine be done. God's will. Hmm. Those are some of the most peaceful people to be around. The most calming people to be around. Right? Some of the most convicting people to be around, right? It's like nothing rattles them. Why? Well, they're just a servant. You know what else it takes to be a servant? Trust. You've got to trust them got to trust I know we re recoil at the thoughts of being a servant of Jesus Christ because we're like well I, I'm, a, I'm a child of God I'm a friend of Jesus he said I was his friend well yeah he said I'll call you you're my friend if you do whatsoever I've commanded you right. <laughs> he said I, I, I've been set free yeah. you've been set free to be a slave to righteousness can I tell you, Jesus was greater than everything that we are in Him? I'm a child of God. I'm His friend. People say, right? I've been set free. Well, hey, Jesus is the Son of God. He is one with the Father. He was never in bondage. And He took upon Him the role of a servant. And He's asked us to do the same thing. Philippians 2, 6-8 through 8, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant. And was a servant, did you hear that? And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto, the de unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you know what we need today? We just need more servants. 
We need more servants in the kingdom of God. We've got enough divas. We've got enough of the self-centered. We've got enough of the, those that crave and need attention. We've got enough of those that want their own way above everybody else's. Our nation, our churches, our families are being destroyed because people are not taking up the role of a servant like the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Amen. More servants. That's what we need, more servants. Our Father, we thank you today that the Lord Jesus Christ not only modeled the life of a servant by his testimony and his words, but he lived it. He modeled it and he lived it all the way to Calvary. And Father, we live in such a culture today, as you know, that this is this life of a servant is the absolute antithesis of what this world believes is right. Lord, help us, please, God. Would you help us not to fall into that trap? Would you help us, by your Holy Spirit, to open eyes and help us to see that the life that brings glory to you, the life that is a peaceable life, the life that brings great joy and happiness, the life of which you get glory is the life of a servant. Would you help us to see that, and Lord, help us today to choose to leave this place a better servant than we've ever been to you. Would you help us to do that? Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. The instrument's playing. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you this morning. Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a servant? Yeah. Who would come today and say, listen, I, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Maybe some need to come and let the, the Lord know, I, I, I want to be a servant. I just want to serve more. I want to be a greater servant than I've ever been before. I want, I want you to have more glory out of my life as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a servant today?